I told Brother Ron if he goes to sleep, which he's planning on doing, that he, at least he's honest about it. He gives you a heads up, I'm going to sleep. Uh, come down there and join him. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 24. We're kind of going to look at the other side of the coin tonight. We spoke last night that everything that is good in the Christian life is God-created, and it's so. But it God's power and grace and goodness channels through our minds, our hearts, our wills, our decisions, our works. And we're going to be dealing with this duty of watching and obeying until the end. You will not be saved until you finish this thing. Now, we know we say, we speak frequently, well, so-and-so was saved. In a sense, they were. In a sense, they were not. We're not saved till we finish the race. In fact, the full feature of salvation is our glorification. And until we get out of this old body and into a new body, we're not truly saved. But we're going to read tonight. We're going to look. And we're going to focus upon this thought tonight. Keeping up obedience to old news. Read with me. We're going to begin in Matthew 24. Beginning in verse 42. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. He's speaking of His final return, the final coming, which can happen. Well, it could happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. And it's useless for you to speculate or put any kind of previews that must occur before the Lord return. That's foolishness. The Lord could come tonight before this service is over. That's a reality. You don't know. I don't know. I'd be glad for it. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, you do not know when I'm coming. But you should know this. This is something... You can know that if the goodman of the house, the owner of the house, had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken into. And you know, that's just common sense. He would have watched if he knew what hour the thief would come. He would have watched. And not permitted his house to become vandalized or for a burglary to take place. And then Jesus says in verse 44, Therefore, be ye also ready. 
Now, this something of getting ready, and we're going to focus on this tonight, is not something you can do and get it in your hip pocket and you say, I'm ready. Being ready is going to cause you and call upon you to be watching and obeying continually. Be ye therefore ready. Be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing, being faithful, watching, obeying, doing the Lord's will. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if. Now, do not try to ever exclude, minimize, or pick apart the ifs in the Scripture. Don't try to tear down any but or if that occurs in the Word of God. This is the Word of the Lord. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming. Now notice, My Lord delayeth his coming. Here's a servant that's appointed a task that knows his master's will and knows that his master will come and knows his duty, but takes the opinion and takes the attitude, My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour which he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder. Now, this is a little parable, but it's an awesome ending here. Cut it literally in two. Cut sliced in two. How would you like to have that happen to you? And shall appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Now, notice who the direction is speaking to. Portion with the hypocrites. This is not just an evangelical message to pagans, folks. This is speaking, as we will see, to church folks. People that know. Hey, by the way, what's your attitude toward the coming of the Lord? Remember when you first heard about it? What preeminence now does the thought of the coming of the Lord have in your mind? How much are you watching for it and expecting it? Jesus said, This servant will be cut asunder and appointed his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Chapter 25 is the parable of the 
ten virgins. I don't want to read the entire parable. It basically teaches the same thing, but let me, let me catch a few verses. Verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And then in verse 5, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. May we pray. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your word on this subject. Open our hearts wide. Open our minds to the truth. Lord, help us to be obedient at what you've called us to do. Let us not become slacking, backing off, turning our affections elsewhere, our attention to other things in the world. Keep us alert. Keep us awake. Grant to us grace to watch until the end for your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The tone and the emphasis of the parables about the Lord's return, and there are many of them. Jesus spoke often of His return and the things that would accompany His return. None of His parables are meant to stir up the world, that is, the pleasure-focused world of unbelieving sinners. The teachings concerning the second coming are not focused, if you please, on unbelieving sinners. Christ has told us very definitely what it's going to be like with the world. It's going to be just exactly duplicated as it was in the days of Noah. The world is going to be taking the coming of the Lord with the same attitude as Noah's generation took the coming of the flood. And there's not anything you or I can do about that. It's not conjecture when Jesus says the coming of the end of the world will be exactly like it was in the days of Noah. But Christ stirs our heart, if you please. The teachings concerning the coming of the Lord is to alert us who believe. Address, if you please, church folks, professors of faith, people that are informed of the Lord's return. For you see the parables that we've read this evening, these are, Parables are about servants who have been appointed a duty and they know it. It's not about strangers and pagans. It's about servants who have a duty to feed the household. 
and to give them their portion of food in due season. Sounds a lot like ministers to me. For not preachers of all men appointed over the Lord's household to give them food and to feed them faithfully the Word of God. So the Lord is, if you please, informing us it's not about pagans, it's about servants who are informed and know their duty. It's not the parable of the ten virgins. It's not about prostitutes. It is about virgins who went forth to what? Meet the bridegroom. And it turned out to be a very long wait. Longer than some of them thought they would have to wait. Now, we have in these parables a prophetic picture of what can happen and what in some cases will actually happen. The fact that there are going to be many that are going to be distracted and fall away, if you please, and get this particular perspective. It's not that important to watch. It's not that important to obey. It's not that essential to keep alert, awake, looking, believing, expecting, desiring, yearning, craving the coming of the Lord. Beloved, with all your soul, desire the coming of the Lord. Want to meet your Savior in the air. Desire the shout of the Lord and the voice of the archangel. Desire to hear the trumpet sound. Desire to meet the Lord in the air. And so, ever be with the Lord. Now, the key to being ready for the return of the Lord is watchfulness. This is the admonition. Now, we know this. We must repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must continue to believe. And we must continue to obey and continue to expect. We must exercise not just one decision, but daily decisions regarding Christ his will, and His work. So the key, Jesus says, for being ready for my return is to stay watchful, on alert, staying at attention. You've seen pictures of military personnel when the general comes in and they Everybody's on alert. Attention! Our Lord is coming. 
Are you on alert? Folks, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. To be awake. To be watchful. It's a hard thing to do, to stay on the alert. In fact, it's living for an event that has not happened, if you please. You know that's what we're doing? We're living in expectation of something happening that has not happened. It didn't happen in the first century, second, third, fourth, and so on. And as far as my knowledge is concerned, it still hasn't happened. But it's going to. This thing of what we call time and the world and everything in it is fixing at His return to come to an end. To a screeching halt. And every last soul, dead and living, is going to appear before the Lord to be judged. This is the event. So we're living for an event that has been long delayed. Delay after delay for this event. That's why Jesus gives us this little parable concerning the servants. And He doesn't say, notice this. There's a great difference. He doesn't say, get ready. That's why there's so much curiosity at these prophecy conference and they pack out a place if you give people signs of what to look for in the coming of the Lord. Because people want to know something that will indicate the end of time is coming so they can wait to the last moment and get ready. But Jesus doesn't say, get ready. He says, be ready. Be ready. Are you ready? Therefore, verse 44, be also ready. For in such hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 25, 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man cometh. You can count on this, you don't know. But you've got to be watching. You've got to be ready. So the crux of the teaching is being ready. Watchful. Expect it. Living accordingly, even, beloved, when you don't feel good. When the Lord has delayed His coming long, and your feelings are not up to par, you may not even feel like watching. But you can count on this for sure when you are not aware that's when He's coming. You know, I thought about this. Why can't the Lord return when we're all brand fresh, new, just learning of the doctrine of the second coming, and we're all thrilled and excited about it? Do you remember when you really got a hold of the second coming? Wasn't it an exciting thing? I remember back years ago, Brother Dean, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. You remember that? I mean, man, that's on my mind. The coming of Jesus. But He ain't come. It's been a long time. I've been waiting and waiting 
and waiting and looking and looking, and he hadn't showed. Does that mean he's not coming? Is it a fraud? Have we been duped? Are we misled? The safest and best thing we can all do is lift up your eyes to the skies and look and watch and wait and obey the Lord for He is coming. I think, why, don't, why didn't the Lord strike back when I was young while the iron was hot? <laughs> when my emotions were high. Some people think I'm emotional now. You ought to have seen me back then. I've calmed down in my old age. Why didn't the Lord come then? When we were all stirred and provoked with thoughts of the last days, we were caught up with the novelty of just how near the end of the world and the coming of the bridegroom was. Why should it be that the Lord should delay so long? And the Christian experience gives us opportunity to cool down. Slack off. Get accustomed to a routine where it's not happening. And we're basically shut up to living not by emotion or feeling or stirrings or revivals, but we're living by raw, pure faith. And He's told us that's how He wants us to live. For the just shall live and be received and be rewarded and be eternally saved by faith. So this basic duty we have to believe and believe and believe to look and to look and to look, and to watch, and to watch, and to watch. It is placed upon us. And it's never done till it's over. Day after day, we press on with our duty. It's far more important you see that the Lord does give us things to do, but He gives us things to believe. And even when we begin to entertain this tempting thought, did you ever have this thought? Jesus it ever come over? Nothing's ever really going to happen. It's just going to go on like this. Just as it was. Big deal. What's all this into the world stuff, Lord? Where's this silent, powerful revelation of your return? Why? What's the use? Listen, I want you to observe in the little parable in verse 42 through 48, actually 51. Notice 
and observe what happens in this two-sided story. Our Lord Jesus sets forth two scenarios in the same servant. It's interesting, isn't it? He, in this story, he doesn't use two people. He uses the same servant in two different ways to illustrate two different attitudes, two different perspectives, if you please. Here, this servant is made ruler over his house. As I said, he was appointed to feed the family. He was entrusted with an important responsibility. And he knew his Lord's will. There's not any of you here tonight that don't know Jesus is coming. Now, you may not be living for it, but you heard this truth. Here's the first servant in verse 46 and 47. Let's read about him. Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so feeling good. Aren't you glad that's not in there? Who shall find so doing faithful? Get out of here, folks, if you think you've got to have feelings to serve the Lord. This thing's not about feelings, it's about believing what God says and acting upon it. Doing the will of God. Here's a fellow that sure, he stretched out his service under all sorts of conditions, no doubt. And here in verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. So the first servant, when the master comes and finds his servant, Doing as he has been told. Obedient. Attending to his work. Faithful at his place of service. Have you been called to a place of service? You have if you've been called by Christ. Here he is faithful at his place of service. Keeping on in due season. Continuing to serve in season out of season. And when the Master finally returns, here this good man is still at it. He's still doing what he was charged with faithfully. He's watching, waiting, expecting, and believing. And he didn't stop expecting and believing when he was confronted with all sorts of weird feelings and went through all manner of troubled thoughts, he kept believing. He kept obeying. He kept assembling. He kept bowing. He kept surrendering. He kept yielding. 
his body. He kept faithful. In and out of troubles all the time. That's the way it is, folks. Well, you don't know my troubles. You're following Jesus. You will have troubles. In the world, you shall have tribulations. If you are go- if troubles are going to knock you out, you'll be out before long. Here's the guy, faithful, steadfast. And the wise and faithful servant, you see in verse 47, when the master returns, he gives him a promotion. He is rewarded and promoted to even greater service. In verse 47, the Scripture says, Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all of his goods. I don't know all that means, but I think it's hinting this, that those who are faithful in a little are going to get much to tend to in the world to come. It is not going to be an idle place where we flap around on angels' wings. It's going to be a place where we're ruling and reigning and with Christ in service in the world to come. And He's promoted. The idea is promotion. I like the idea of being promoted. I've never been promoted. I like the thoughts. Done. Well done. Now good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Be thou ruler over many. Can you imagine? Me? Me? Because of what? I cared enough about him to believe his word and continue faithfully. Watching. Waiting. Expecting the Lord to return. What glory! In fact, wrap your troubles up and kick them out the door. The sufferings of this present time are what? Not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. (laughs) A glory. The glory of God. When our faces will shine as bright as the sun. In our resurrected glory with Christ. Think about it. Without sin. Without a devil. Without temptation. Without any corruption of the flesh. Without anything between, not a hair between us and the Lord, forever and ever and ever. I want that. I gotta have it! I don't wanna die without it! And I don't want him to come and find me sleeping. Here's the second circle. Notice this. The second possibility in verse 48. Look at it. But, and if 
That evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, where there shall be weeping, instead of the glory and the good, the opposite. There shall be weeping, wailing, grinding of teeth forever. This particular second servant, the second possibility in the same servant, basically, you see this. There are two things here. First of all, it was since the Lord was delaying His return, this business got a little dull, a little boring. And so it's a, His heart attitude changes. He begins to entertain the notion. Notice, my Lord delays His coming. Now, why does He take that perspective? Because that's the natural, carnal-minded perspective. That's the way to feel in the situation because the Lord does delay His return, does He not? Day after day, year after year, century after century, the Lord is delayed. And so the whole business of serving the Lord and waiting for His return and living in high expectation and living on alert becomes rather monotonous, boring. It's a heart attitude change. You see, what happens is it's a cool down. It is a change of mind. It's like a repentance of his repentance. It's a heart shift. It's not. Take warning here. It is not absolute atheism. It's just this. This business of the end of the world is not that important to me anymore. This thing of being alert and faithful in everything I do doesn't matter that much anymore. Since the Lord is delaying His coming, this thing, I was really, really hoping He would come soon, but you know, He hasn't. So we can kind of move this agenda to the back burner. We can kind of get involved in other things. This loss of urgency, loss of alertness, loss of concern. The whole business of the end of the world and the coming of the Lord is not that big a deal anymore. It's not a priority. This day after day wait. This routine of going to church and going to church and going to church and going to church or preaching a sermon or preaching a sermon or preaching a sermon. It's just not that important anymore. It's just not that big a deal. The burden of watching and caring and doing the Lord's will. It's a heart change. And let me tell you this, 
That's where it takes place. Jesus, remember what he said to the Laodiceans because they were neither cold nor hot. But he become lukewarm. What was he going to do? Vomit them out of his mouth. This heart change. Let me tell you whether Jesus is in heaven or whether he's back on earth. He knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows our heart attitude. Brethren, stir up this thing. Stir up yourself. Stir up the gift of God. Now is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. So there's this heart shift. And here's the second thing he was guilty of. When the heart begins to think on other things of the Lord, you know what? Bad behavior will follow suit. Here's what he does notice. Verse 49. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with a drunkard. What does he do? He begins to abuse the brethren. We talk about child abuse, wife abuse. How about church abuse? Are there people that abuse the brethren? Mistreat the family of God? Fail and forsake their responsibilities to the church? Smiting? There's a lot of way to injure God's people. And Jesus gave us a warning that Whoever offends one of these little ones that believe in me would be better for a millstone to be hung about her neck and cast into the sea. So he slips into bad behavior. He begins to hang with the wrong people. You see, that's what happens when you get tired of church folks. Who are you going to hang with? Who are you going to go with? Notice what he did. He begins, Jesus is emphasizing something here. He's changed not only his conduct, he's changed his company. He begins to smite his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the wrong people. And you see, this is always where bad associations come from a heart shift. You see, do you see the connection between the heart and the hand? between what's going on in the heart and what the works do. Always a connection. As a man so thinketh in his heart, soon he will be doing it. So it's a given fact that when you begin to cool down and go backward and lose this urgency of looking and expecting and believing for the coming of the Lord, slacking off, when you fail to do the good, faithful things, you will be soon found doing the bad, unacceptable things. They'll take over. So here we go. Here we go again. Down. A little drinking. A little partying. A little cussing. A little fighting. He's out. He doesn't care. He's overthrown. And you see in verse 50 and 51, 
how badly things end for this sort of person. The Scripture says, The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, in an hour when he is not aware of, and shall cut him into. So it's, it's an obvious thing. When you, when you read that, it's obvious that this judgment can befall someone that really doesn't even live to see the literal final second coming of Christ. All people, by the way, whether you're alive or dead, you will see the coming of the Lord. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Everybody's going to see it. Every eye. But this sort of judgment of being cut off and cut asunder is a warning. I'll tell you what, it's a motivational thing. Just like I told you, I'd like to get in on the glory. I don't relish the thought of being cut in two or being handed a portion with the what? Hypocrites. Fixed in this terrible, ungodly state. Now, let me give you some practical application, some helpful insight here on that dynamics of the Christian life and what to expect and what not to expect in this matter of waiting and looking upon the certain return of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, beloved, this, the Christian life, learn this, is a long-term affair. And you can expect this since it's such a long-term commitment and a long-term affair. You can expect as, if, as the same with any aspect of life, even in the Christian life, the new is going to wear off. I doubt if there's any of you that came to church tonight that feel like you felt just after you were converted. Hmm? Now, you can believe and you can be faithful, but it's apparent both from our own experience and confirmed in the Scripture that in the Christian life, we must persevere to the end and continue to wait this matter out through ever-changing fluctuations in our experience and in our feelings. We like feelings. You know, when we first started out turning to the Lord, those first serving times, it was so highly emotional. Our, the impact on our heart and mind was so great. Truths were fresh. This thing of the coming of the Lord, we heard it. It was so fresh. It was so new. It was so interesting. But now, after a while, the novelty of our experience and the thrills of all things new fades more or less into common everyday routine of being faithful. Praying when you don't feel like praying. Reading the Word when you don't feel like reading. Reading it even though you're not getting anything 
reading it. Going to church when you don't feel like it. Loving your brethren and staying in there when hard trials are upon the body of Christ. But the Christian life has settled down to not feelings, but faithfulness. Routine. Loyalty. Obedience. Seeing this thing through to the end. Beloved, this was told us from the very beginning. But a lot of us didn't know. We thought, I remember, I had such exalted feelings when I was first converted. It's like the Lord gave me some baptisms of the Holy Spirit, and I was caught up to, like, with Paul in the third heaven. I thought, as a Christian, I was always going to feel this way. Thrilled! Moved! Stirred to my soul! After about two weeks, the Lord loosed the devil on me. And I was laying on my bed, groaning, God, can I be really a Christian? Can I be saved? No, this is what it is. The Christian life, beloved, is a long-term commitment. It's a duty that must be done continually. So you can expect your first emotions, your first feelings, both the external and internal providence to be changing as you press on. With a life of faith. Now, does that mean that the Lord is not coming because our feelings have cooled a little bit? Doesn't mean it's not serious and it all was a hoax. Doesn't mean the realities of Christ and His coming are not true. In fact, the coming of the Lord. And the end of the world is just as true tonight as it's always been. The sudden end of the age, I'll tell you what, Brother Don, it's nearer now upon me than it was back then when I was feeling real good. My salvation is closer. My full reward is closer now than it's ever been. I've gone through a lot of fluctuations and ups and downs and in and outs. But the Lord's coming is still true. The consequence of your life, the reward or punishment, presses on to you with the same degree of seriousness. So what? It's been a long time coming. He's going to come. So what? Many have dropped away. Some ain't going to drop away. Some are going to be faithful right up to the end. So what? Times are tough. Going the right way is hard. So what? The atmosphere of church. Oh, preacher, our church service is just not like they used to be. You ever heard that? The atmosphere is not as exciting as it once was. Kind of a dull thing is over people anymore. You want to go home? You want to quit? 
Because things are not as electrifying or stirring. What about the servant that can do his master's will and stay at the work? In and out. Week in and week out. Year after year. Decade after decade. Hanging in there. Though our outward man perish, still expecting and experiencing the renewal of the inward man. So what? Jesus is coming soon is old news now. You're going to have to revive your interest in this old news. Stir up your faithfulness. The blessed thing is that God is real. Truth is real. Christ is returning. The end of the world is coming. Eternal rewards are hanging over each of our head. And the truth is we must hear it, believe it, and live according to be ready. For He's coming. You can expect the Lord to come Basically, when you're not expecting Him. That's why you're going to have to stay on alert. Christ is not coming when you necessarily feel good or all worked up. He intentionally comes to find and see you faithful when you're under trial. Faithful. When you don't feel good, or you may be very sick, or maybe you don't feel anything special at all, but you're still faithful. If you're a preacher, you're preaching the Word and being faithful. Whatever Christian service you've been called into, you're still faithful. Will He find you and me watching, waiting, looking for the coming of the Lord? It's a great day when you can yet watch and stick to doing your duty at hand, whether your duty is great or small. It is a great day when you can continue to obey the Word and press on with the church and to continue to look for the Lord Because it's true. It's right. It's good. Not because you feel a certain way or even sense. I've got this sense. Somebody tells me the other day, a guy called me and said, Brandon, I feel Jesus is coming soon. I feel He's coming soon. I said, He's coming when you don't think you feel He's coming soon. When you don't expect Him. Sure, He may come soon. In fact, He can be a lot sooner than He thinks. Jesus is coming. I want to be found faithful. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithfulness. Devotion. Perseverance. God help us.
Let me read to you a closing passage. Found in Romans, the 13th chapter. I've alluded to it. Romans 13. Same exhortation, basically. Beginning at verse 11. Romans 13, 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. Praise God. The day is at hand. Praise the Lord. Let us, that's us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness. You got any sin in your life? Get rid of it. Turn from it. Cast it off. Repent of it. You're trying to control your life without releasing your life. Listen, you can only keep what you let go of. If you try to keep your life and hold on to your life and run your life, you'll lose everything. But if you let go of your life and surrender your life, you'll keep it. Surrender yourself. Cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Who is the armor of light? Let's put on Christ. Listen to this. Let us walk honestly. You got any dishonesty? Are you cheating anybody in any way? Are you lying to anybody in any way? Are you fraudulent in any way? Are you cheating on your income taxes? Are you honest? Let us walk honestly. As in the day, not in rioting or in drunkenness. Not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You got work to do. You got work to do. You got watching to do. You've got service to render. You've got a faith to maintain. You've got chores to perform. You've got a life to live for the glory of God. And when He returns, you'll be found faithful. Let's pray. Bless these people, Lord. Stir our hearts. Stir us up. Help us to put off all sin. Help us to get rid of all sluggishness and apathy and unconcern. Help us to be alert, awake, dutiful, obedient, serving the Lord till you return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.